right, guys, as we come back to our seats, this morning we are blessed to have uh, our friend and brother Val preaching, which I know is why many of you may be here today and so thankful for that. But just want to say to all of you who are here, whether you're a college student or an adult, our goal as a church, again, is not just to provide you with an opportunity to, to come and sing on Sundays, but we want to see people equipped to follow Jesus into the stuff of everyday life. We want to see you equipped for the vocations or jobs or callings that you may have. And so if you, if you want to be equipped in that way, get in touch with me and we will work with you in that discipleship, again, that isn't merely teaching you how to study your Bible, but teaching you how to go out and work in the world for the glory of God. But if it also that is ministry related, we are blessed this morning to have Peter, who's a Lee student. He has designed and organized our, our gathering in a very intentional way, and we're just so thankful to have Val come and preach the gospel with us this morning. I'm going to pray for him, and then we'll, we'll continue to worship Jesus. Father, thank you so much for Val. We pray now, God, that you would protect him uh, from any temptation to perform for others' approval or for others' uh, acknowledgement. We pray that you would help him to uh, speak to us, though, the good news of Jesus through the gifts and personality that you've given him. We pray, God, that our eyes would be put by the Spirit on the good news, the gospel, of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Oh, am I too loud? Is that good? Good. Okay, cool. Um, I'll be speaking from Psalm 4 today. So if you'll turn with your Bibles to me there, we'll read through um, the passage that I believe the Lord's given me. To speak on today and has put a burden on my heart for as well. Um, psalm 4 To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O oh, men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Excuse me, sorry. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices. And put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I just want to approach God today to ask me, uh, selfish, or ask him selfishly for strength. So if you'll just come before God with me. Father, um, I pray that I would speak the word with courage that you have given me. Um, that you would work in me. And that uh, these would not be my words and, or um that I would not speak fleshly or, or try to perform this for anyone, but God, um, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would speak to the hearts of each and every person in here as we 
pursue an understanding together this morning of, Lord, how do we find rest in this world? How do we find rest for today? Um, when that's just such a, seems like such a lost cause, God. So many of us are burdened. I pray, Father, that you um, would bring us into your rest this morning, into a true heart knowledge of who you are so that we might be able to rest in you. Use me today, God, as a vessel for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you ever believe that there were monsters in your bed when you were a kid? Anybody? No? It's just me? All right, okay. Um, just like imagine back with me like those days, you know, when you were like really young and you thought that there was something out there in the dark that was like, it was going to get you. Imagine like, you, you remember how that felt and like what, what it looked like too? Um, weren't you, were you afraid to go to bed at night because, you know, something might jump out of the darkness, something that you couldn't see, something that you were out of control of? And of course we know now, like, that was silly, right? That doesn't make any sense. It was irrational to think that some um, monster from, you know, that was undiscovered to man, had snuck past the world and our parents and up the stairs into our bedroom and was now hiding underneath our bed to attack us at any moment. Um, that's just, it's just silly. It makes no sense, absolutely, right? Um, but let me ask you something else. What are, what are the monsters under your bed today? What are those things that hide under, under, your, under your bed, so to speak, so that when your head hits your pillow, your mind comes alive and your imagination just runs wild? What does your mind go to um, when your head hits your pillow and you have to face yourself at night in silence? Is your mind captive to, ang sorry, is your mind captive to anxiety and f the fear of possibilities of tomorrow? Do you go back and face the mistakes of today? Do you experience intense temptation? Is it better to, yeah, probably better to, I'm killing you out there, I'm sorry. Does this work? Hello? Sweet, all right. Do you experience intense temptation or do you find yourself chasing unrealistic visions of grandeur that are fading? See, where our minds go in the final moments of the day says a lot about who we are and where we think um, we can locate rest to be. John Calvin, no matter what you think of his thoughts on theology and um, about God, observed something truly, that the human heart is an idle factory. That is, we, we constantly are manufacturing false rests to run to for some relief, at, and, and that's manifest at nighttime many times. But this morning we are confronted by the truth of God's word that tells us that he is the only one we can go to for true rest. That he alone can give us the answer that we so desperately seek. Psalm 4 begins with a cry, actually. Um, answer me, right? Charles Spurgeon uh, called Psalm 4 another flower 
from the garden of affliction. This psalm is coupled with Psalm 3, um, and Psalm 3 being the morning psalm and Psalm 4 being the evening psalm. And if the circumstances are the same as it's often suspected for it to be, um, then we know that the context given in Psalm 3 that this is a cry that David utters in the midst of dangerous circumstances. Psalm 3, he utters this cry, save me, O my God. It's this cry of desperation that David knows that if God doesn't intervene and become his shield actively, physically, um, then David will be destroyed by his many foes, by Israel and their armies, that they'll crush him. He knows well that God is the only one who can care for his physical plight. But we look at Psalm 4, and there's, there's a switch. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. David's still praying for deliverance and confidence. He knows that God who answered him in the past will give him the deliverance that he's asking for now. But notice that the deliverance that he's asking for has changed. You have given me relief when I was in distress is what he says. David has been protected physically by God from his enemies, and yet he needs something more than just physical protection. He needs deliverance in distress. The cards are the same. Absalom, his own son, is probably still pursuing him um, to kill him. And though he's been delivered physically, he has only escaped his pursuers like momentarily. They're still coming after him and so I can imagine like imagine with me like how David's feeling right now in this moment he's on the run in the cave betrayed sound familiar you know that there has to be something in David that like says really really God like we're back here I've served you all these years and been faithful to you faithful to your ungrateful and unfaithful people, and I'm back in a cave on the run for my life. Except at least last time, you know, it was, it was the king that you had rejected, so that made more sense. But now it's, it's my own son that I'm running from for my life. So David does the only thing there's left to do. Abandoned by many of his friends, by his kingdom, and bereft of physical hope, he calls out to God in desperation. And though he's confident that God, who is righteous, will make things right, he calls out to God in the midst of his trouble for internal deliverance from anxiety and shame that is eating away and stealing his rest. David seeks internal spiritual deliverance that will last rather than situational deliverance that can fluctuate. And so I was, I was in Voices of Lee for three semesters. Um, of school, and it's interesting, there was, I mean, you know, Voices is a little bit of a, like a high pressure group sometimes, there are rumors, whatever, um, anyways, but um, we're also super dramatic, so you should know that, everyone, um, but I mean, it's a performance group, right, there's, there's expectations, You're, you gotta show up to rehearsal promptly, make sure you shower, if you're traveling, you have to uh, have a bag packed with all the clothes that you would need for the weekend, um, and maintain good vocal maintenance, right? M protect your voice, try not to get sick. If you do get sick, suck it up. Um, 
But there was one thing in particular that was very important, and that was to be at the bus on time. Danny would give you a time to be there, and usually the goal was to try and be there like, you know, 15, 30 minutes before so that you could kind of tidy up around the bus, get your bags on there, fit all our bags in the bottom of the bus because everybody's a diva and they pack their entire wardrobe and, um, you know, shine the tires, whatever else. And that was the goal. But um, sometimes that wouldn't happen. And there was this intense, like, anxiety and fear in everybody that was, that would just kind of like, it would, it would steal our rest. It's a real thing. I know, it, I know it sounds petty. I know it sounds stupid. But like, there was a dream that everyone had in Voices, and it was dubbed the Voices Dream because everyone's was the same. You woke up late, the bus left you, and you're helpless. You're, you know, like, you can't do anything. Um, and so I tell you that not because you care about the internal struggles of a college a cappella singer, but <laughs> because, because we really all have that dream, right? We've all got that thing, whatever it is. Um, the voices dream for most of us on earth just isn't about voices. It's not about a cappella. It's not about getting left by a bus. But it's that thing that wakes you up at 2 a.m. in a cold sweat. It's what makes you dread going to bed at night because you know that when your head hits your pillow and you, you finally have a moment of silence, your mind will just go on a rampage exploring all the possibilities of what could happen, indulging in anxieties of tomorrow. We're all, we're all like seeking some internal deliverance from some, some kind of internal turmoil, whether that be want or temptation or anxiety or shame. And for us today, as we read over um, Psalm 4, the last part of the passage um, where he says, in peace I will lie down and sleep, that means nothing to us. Some of us can't even like remember the last time that we had a restful night's sleep. And, and you may not today, like this morning, have enemies pursuing you to, you know, put your head on a pike, but you, you I mean, how do you, how do you sleep? How do you sleep when you've looked at pornography for the hundredth time and you don't know whether you're saved or, any, or not anymore? How do you sleep when you've been, feel like you've been abandoned or betrayed? How do you sleep when you know that if your GPA drops, you'll lose your scholarship and you won't be able to go to school anymore? How do you sleep when you feel like you are always on stage and there are cameras on you at all times? How do you sleep when you're alone? How do you sleep when you look at the time that you have and the, time and the things that you have to get done and there's just no possible way to get it all done? How do you sleep when your children are running away from God? How do you sleep when you've tried all the medication that they have and nothing has worked? How do you sleep when you hate yourself, what you look like, who you are, what you've done? How do you sleep when you could lose your job any day? How do you sleep when you've asked God and begged him and the answer is still no? And how do you sleep when you've lost everything? I say when, not if, because many of us are going through a lot of these situations are, are real for us today. I know I've wondered many nights, like on my bed, how am I going to get any rest for X? You know, that thing that's just 
hovering over my head the whole night. And to protect ourselves, what we can do is we can kind of make David this faith giant, you know, like David, giant slayer. That's not for us. David's really good at resting, and that just, you know, this is just this some pie in the sky. Um, and because, because it seems so, so far from us, we can locate David far from us, right? It just seems unattainable, the kind of rest that he's talking about, laying down in the midst of a battlefield, basically, in a cave when you're being hunted for your life. Um, and the good news is today, it is. It is absolutely, completely unattainable. We can't do it. Um, Rusty was kind enough as we've gone through a series on this summer on the fruit of the spirit to remind us that we're going to be severely disappointed if we try and make the peace today, especially if we try and make the peace and, and the joy that David's experiencing, if we make that our new law, you know, if we make that like something to achieve. Um, we're either going to kill ourselves trying to do it or we're going to just become resigned that, you know, this is just some pie in the sky situation. It's not for us. But <laughs> what I want us to see this morning is this song is in a cave. It's an encouragement to the men around him sitting in doubt that God could bring good out of their current situation. And so to reinforce that we just can't manufacture our obedience, David goes on. Um, we can't just pick ourselves up by our bootstraps because in verse 4 and verse 5, um, David says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Remembering David's circumstances, um, He's probably addressing the men who have stayed with him and been loyal to him and therefore are also being hunted by Absalom um, for their lives and, and all of Israel. He's probably speaking to the overly zealous, you know, in this situation specifically to the ones like me who feel like it's our duty to answer the wicked because, you know, if, if we don't, then who will? Something needs to be said, Right? They can't get away with this. God's goodness is being doubted. The righteous are being shamed. His people are being afflicted, and it looks like the wicked have prevailed. We must take action, right? And God says to us this morning, as we are surrounded by such great dilemmas in our lives, be still. Be silent. I was actually talking with some of my friends the other day um, about kind of how forward I can imagine the Holy Spirit's action through me to be. I just kind of feel like the Holy Spirit is like an action, you know, like it produces action. Um, and because this is how often, like, this is how he's often portrayed, right? Holy Spirit equals fire, miracles, healing, and tongues. And that's true. I'm not making fun of that. I believe that. Um, I agree. The Holy Spirit does give beautiful gifts to his children, and yet, as we went through this, this series on the fruit of the Spirit, we've seen the fruit of the Spirit expressed in characteristics like 
peace, patience, gratefulness, gentleness, self-control last week. Looking back and remembering that this week as I was like writing and looking at this text, I realized that the Holy Spirit coming through us, bearing his fruit, looks much more still than I often think the Holy Spirit to be. And David being led by the Spirit in writing this psalm gives us a command to live as God would have us in the face of such affliction, shame, and injustice. But let's just, let's just understand what this is not this morning. This, we can fall into two ditches. The first being the denial of our emotions and the second being the indulgence in our emotions. And David's cautioning us against both. This is not a denial of our feelings that God is asking of us. Not a, oh, I'm not mad. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the friend that says, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Um, and that just means figure out what you did and then fix it. God is not commanding us to like play pretend like, oh, it's okay. Um, to dress up and hide our feelings. Actually, the scripture recognizes that in the face of such w- injustice, we should be angry. When the righteous are afflicted and shamed and the wicked are empowered and prosper, we should be angered. In fact, the scripture doesn't say, eh, I mean, I guess you can be angry if you want to. No, in the face of such wickedness, like, we're told, be angry. (coughs) This should be the response of the righteous when justice is suppressed. We're not commanded to bury our feelings, but the text also doesn't say to indulge in them. We should submit our emotions by actively understanding the love of God. The love of God that has God has set apart the godly for himself. And that understanding enables David and then also us today to hold our tongues, to continue righteously, to feel the freedom from even having to address or fight back against these wicked men, a freedom from controlling our situation. It's interesting, as I like kind of surfed around on the interweb this weekend um, or this week, I found that as a culture, like, we're kind of obsessed with sleep, right? Like, I knew that, but I didn't know that. And I just Googled better sleep, and it was like, like a myriad of products and things popped up. Um, and I was kind of like, America? Really? You know, this is, we're supposed to be like the safest place on earth, right? This is the promised land. We've got a problem like keeping people out because they think if I could only get there, I would find rest. But it's interesting, despite what our high school history books told us, we're, we're no more restful than the rest of the world. Maybe actually even less so. We have the fanciest security, we have the fanciest security systems that can lock our houses for us and call every EMT and police officer in the state if our house gets broken into. We have, you see like those ads on TV and Instagram for a newer, softer pillow every day. We have gravity blankets now that are filled with like sand um, or whatever to hold us down and, and help us rest better and feel less anxiety. And we've made watches too to monitor, like there's like a hundred to monitor our sleep so that we can monitor how well we sleep, how much we're sleeping. We have beds that form fit our bodies, personalized per individual. 
We even have sleep formulas now. Have you seen these? Anybody? I tried one the other day. I don't know if it works. I felt like I slept when I woke up. The only problem is like that all of these cures don't work. They may be able to guarantee us better sleep, but it can't guarantee us better rest. They may be able to pass, the world may be able to like pass us a can of sleep juice, but they can't invent a product that would help us to like escape ourselves, you know? And e even after NyQuil grade sleep, like, you know, the good stuff, we still have to wake up and face the reality of our circumstances in the morning. There's no medication, no innovation that can give us peace at night when we are watching our lives burn to the ground around us. And no matter what the false rest is, rest is whether it's physical circumstances or goods that we think would make it possible for us to finally sleep, in the face of such great persecution and trial like David's facing, in this text, we realize how weak our false rests are, how small and temporary the solace they provide for our hearts is. How do you, how do you, how do, how do you look at the one who is turning the knife in your gut and feel the freedom not to answer him for his evil? How do we get to the point where you can be publicly put to shame and have your reputation and integrity challenged in front of everyone, be lied about and slandered, and feel no need to justify yourself or retaliate in hatred? It takes a knowledge that someone's going to take care of it for us, an assurance that all will be all right. We are told this morning to be silent before injustice, to ponder, to trust, and to hold back. For us to continue to like offer sacrifices when we face trial and affliction, we have, we have to have a trust that God will provide for us. And it's like David's commanding his people to offer sacrifices. It's like, what in the world, David? Offer sacrifices? Like, what are you talking about? We need these animals for like energy and sustenance, provision to be able to stay alive and like fight this war that we're losing currently. And this is the kind of realism that can like set in and make us draw into ourselves as we experience trial and feel that God has forgotten us. But David trusted in God so much so that in the worst of circumstances of his life, in a cave, running for his life, betrayed by his country, his people, the same people who sang songs about him and hailed him as a hero, the same people he went to worship God next to. He's being hunted by his son with limited resources, and he says, Ach, for sacrifices. Offer right sacrifices. We need to worship God more than we need to eat dinner. You know what we need? You know, you know what we need more right now than physical strength that nourishment can provide us for the war that we're fighting? We need to put our trust in the Lord. We're called today by David to who is in the midst of like severe oppression to restrain ourselves from evil. We're called to hold fast in the midst of temptation to sin, to not answer our enemy for evil for evil, to trust in the Lord that he will justify us by continuing to worship God. 
and then the last, the last portion, the last three verses come. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David is sitting in a cave, surrounded by the last of his friends, and they are probably losing hope. They've probably been thinking that, yeah, this is the end. And to be honest, like, the, the odds don't look good. It's like, you know, a band of David's friends versus an entire country. And, and the circumstances are so dire at this point that it's just like they're, they're asking, who will show us some good? How can any good come from this? And yet those sitting around him know that they truly need more than physical provision with David. They, they need to lift God up. They need, sorry, they need God to lift up the light of his face upon them. They need to remember in the face of such perilous circumstances that God, the God who holds the battle in every hand is with them. Though they've been shamed and stripped of all that they had, David recognizes that God was always all that he had. This distress has only reminded him of what he already knew. And, and so though the wicked may prosper, though they may have wealth and all the pleasure that the world has to offer, they'll never be satisfied. They'll never be happy. They'll never find as much joy as the poorest and most destitute child of God. This kind of joy that David's got that we're looking at right now is, is, the, day, is the joy that like shows us that the world's priorities are upside down. This is why we find in the world that billionaires jump out of windows, that celebrities hang themselves, and yet we find the Apostle Paul in a jail, imprisoned, wrongfully able to sing, to sing to God. And David finds himself doing the same thing. He writes a song to tell of the joy that he has found in God that cannot be determined by the situations in this world. Because when you found God as the object of your joy, like David has in this text, when you have found God as the object of your joy because the almighty creator of the universe has set his affections on you, then a king's bed and a cave floor sleep just the same. I went to a 21 Pilots concert this summer with Cadison, actually. Hi, Cadison. Um, where'd it go? Yeah, sorry. It was really good. They're incredible performers. They were fantastic. Um, but they sang this song at the concert that's like was on the radio for a while. It's called Stressed Out. Does anybody know it? And the chorus starts, which we could turn back time to the good old days when our mamas sang us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. And I think that song is really popular because everybody hears that and they know exactly what they're talking about. In the face of being stressed out, we just wish that we could go back to a simpler time when we were carefree. 
when we didn't have to be responsible or worry about paying the bills or feeding ourselves or feeding others because when we were infants, we were oblivious to danger and fear, right? It was bliss. You just, everybody did everything for you. You pooped on yourself. Have you ever seen an infant being sung to sleep by their mom or just falling asleep in the strong arms of their dad? It is so beautiful, right? Has anybody seen this? I think, I think it's the purest form of sleep. That's why I think we say sleeping like a baby. I think it's the purest form of sleep because infants are completely helpless. They have no way to protect themselves from the dangers of this world, no way to acquire food for themselves. They can only just cry. They're dependent upon their parents for everything but even in the very like little understanding that they have they know when they are safe right that's why kids ask mom or dad please please just stay with me until I fall asleep it's what would make me set up a pallet on my on my mom and dad's floor at night as a little kid just like a blanket because more than I needed the comfort of a mattress to help me sleep, I needed the comfort of my parents' presence to rest. And the good news of the gospel of Psalm 4 today is that if you've never been sung to sleep or your parents were never there for you as a child, if they never held you, you have a father today who's here to hold you. And if you dread going to bed every night because you feel unsafe, then God is a father who will lay with you as you fall asleep. He won't even leave when you fall asleep. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That's the kind of father that watches us at night when you can't watch yourself. I think that's why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, children. We're being called today to become like babies before God, to cry out as David did and silently recognize our total dependence upon God for everything. It is from a childlike trust in the Lord that David was able to encourage all those men around him who were heartbroken and downcast and feared that they would be killed any moment to just be silent, to not act in their anger and to ultimately trust in God completely. But our Father, he doesn't ask us to fall upon his mercies in blind optimism. He has demonstrated his provision perfectly for us in his son Jesus Christ. Our God does not leave us alone in the midst of trouble. He cares for us so much that he came to experience injustice, to be shamed, to be tempted, and to be killed by wicked men. He came to know us so that as we walk through life, we might not be alone. Jesus' death on the cross displays the ultimate endeavor to know us. He has humbled himself and become like us so that he could experience ultim intimately our pain our feelings and be present with us in them. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us in this confident, then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in time of need. And if David, in the midst of his physical fatigue, internal turmoil, and internal turmoil could find joy enough to sing to God and peace enough to sleep without having heard the gospel of Jesus Christ only clinging to the promises of God, then how, how much more can we find joy to sing when their trials multiply and our fears are confirmed? How much more can we find peace to lie down and sleep in the face of sure death? How much more now that Jesus Christ has come as a baby completely dependent upon the Father for provision can we now as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ sleep soundly and find rest because we know that God has set his steadfast love upon us. How much more can we just be completely dependent on our Father for provision. How much more can we throw ourselves upon the grace of God and sleep like children in our Father's arms? We can sleep soundly and we can find rest this morning because we know that God, who set his steadfast love upon David, who preserved him from death and restored him to his throne, is the same God who gave his son to bear the penalty that we deserve, that we might be brought near to him once more, who raised Jesus from the dead, and who now dwells within us to produce joy and peace. It is, it's in this intimate, like, bones knowledge of God's steadfast love alone that we can today feel the freedom to stop our striving and find true rest in God's presence. The Lord alone causes us to dwell in safety. That's what he says in the last verse. And so, as we've kind of been confronted by the beauty of the gospel today, imagine with me, what would this look like if we, if we lived this out? What, what would it look like if we actually like felt this and lived in this? How freely we might approach the work that we have to do every day. The, the same work that causes us stress and anxiety that we might approach it with joy. How free might we be from the stresses and obligation of our lives to just actually live our lives? How could this affect how we live on mission every day to the areas of our city when we feel called, that we feel called upon to live the gospel into? In light of the message of the gospel according to Psalm 4 today, we could hope that our heads would hit our pillows at night without us feeling the stress to make more relationships or manufacture the work of God. I think, I think where I've seen the beauty of this truth put into action frequently is just sort of in a glimpse of it is, is in Matthew's table here um, 
where I've just seen people just willing to be needy and weak before each other. That's just been so beautiful to me. And, and by living around people who are struggling and believe, to believe that gospel truth every day that the Lord alone causes us to dwell in safety, we can find ourselves like willing to give up the facade of strength. Because when you and the person next to you are just children dependent upon God for every good thing, then it becomes easier to recognize your dependence. And it becomes much easier to ask for help from those around you. It becomes easier to humble ourselves and to recognize that we cannot live this truth out alone. But we must together, as the children of God, wage war against the lies that the world is telling us that we are strong. So the truth of the gospel, according to Psalms 4 today, is just that we are helpless children in our Father's arms, and that in a world of danger and affliction, he alone can provide us with the rest that we seek. Should I pray, or do you want to? Great job, Val. Let's bow our heads, please. And um, Each week, we believe that the Lord himself offers us an invitation to his word. Uh, we've heard a, uh, a message of good news today that is difficult for all of us to find rest uh, in such restless hearts and reckless, restless circumstances. And we believe that Jesus uh, wants, to put our, wants us to put our eyes on him, and that's why he's invited us to his table. And so each week at the end of our gathering, we, we come to the Lord's table and we tear the bread, remembering Jesus' body that was given for us, a life that was lived in the perfect rest that we, we can never pull off apart from him. And then a, we take the cup as a picture and a pointer, a sign, a seal of the blood of Jesus that covers us uh, and gives us forgiveness for all of the, the faults paths we take to find rest or refuge in the world and so we like to ask a few questions before we go to the Lord's table if you'll just continue to bow your heads and uh, keep your eyes closed whatever helps you to to reflect uh, we want to ask a few questions the first thing is am I a follower of Jesus at all have I went to him for rest or maybe maybe I've just thought following Jesus was me keeping a list of rules, and if I keep those rules, then I'll have rest, instead of throwing ourselves fully upon his perfect and finished work for us, because we, we don't want to invite you just to a table, we want to especially invite you to Jesus. As we come to the table, there'll be four tables out in the hallway, and we'll just go and gather around those as proportionately as we can, and someone will be there to to, to lead you in what's happening if you're new today, but we open up this time for us to share and encourage one another uh, with words of the gospel. And so we ask a few questions here now to help us, whether you might be led to, to confess and ask for prayer or to share words of encouragement. The first question uh, just would like to invite you to ask in your heart now is where do you need to repent and believe in the gospel? The second question is, where might you need to ask for healing or help? As has been mentioned, this is a, a place where you, you don't have to 
to be strong. You can be needy and ask for help because we see in the blood and the body of Christ that he is our strength. And then the last question is, who might the Holy Spirit be leading you to encourage? You might want to make sure you're at their table uh, to give them a word of encouragement, a scripture, and a story even, or just uh, an arm around the shoulder. Father, we ask now that your Holy Spirit would continue to put the spotlight on on Jesus and his finished work. We pray as we come to the table that you would remind us of his finished work for us and also remind us of the unity that we only share through him. We thank you for the, the bread, the body, for the cup, for the blood. We thank you for the new covenant. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, at this time, the hallways are out in the, I mean, the, the hallways are out in the hall, yep. The tables are out in the hall. If you're new, uh, just follow out through there and you'll see what's going on.